0: We need spiritual power that we might be overcomers in a wicked day. Now, let's go to Romans 8 and verse 13. And you will see the secret of spiritual victory for the people of God. Romans 8, verse 13. Now, we're talking about the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. And here is the work of the Holy Spirit. And in Romans eight thirteen, For if ye live after the flesh ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit... Now notice that. If ye through the Spirit to mortify, put to death the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher, and it is a joy to bring to you the message of God's precious Word today. In Isaiah 59, verse 19, we have these great words, So... Shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west, and his glory from the rising of the sun? When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. That has been otherwise translated as the Spirit of the Lord shall put him to flight. The enemies of the church of Christ, the enemies of the people of God, shall be scattered, whether it be today. Tomorrow or on that final judgment day, the wicked shall be put to flight. And so, therefore, we are on the winning side, and one with God is in the majority. We trust that today that the Lord will strengthen your faith and encourage your heart as we preach the message on this text. Isaiah 59, verse 19. We allow Magill to sing beyond comprehension and no name has meant so much to me. We'll close out the program today with a little message on obedience titled, Those Arbitrary Signposts. So stay tuned with us and may the Lord minister to your heart today through his word as we turn now to Al Smith singing. Beyond comprehension
1: Men may scale the highest mountain and descend what deepest sea but no one could ever measure God's great love at hand.
0: In Christ's work that he has done upon the cross, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Now, never lose sight of the cross. It is the tonic for our faith. It is the focus of our trusting. And of course, it is our boast. As a sacrifice, when the Lord Jesus suffered on that cross, he conquered. He was the victor. Now, Isaiah, writing here in Isaiah 59, was promising to Israel, to God's people. And, of course, God, by his Spirit, was moving Isaiah to promise or write these things. This Redeemer is our Lord Jesus. And he is come. This promise has been fulfilled. This prophecy has been realized in the incarnation, the life, the death of the Lord Jesus. And we who now live on this end of the scale, 2,000 years after the cross, must keep our eyes focused, fixed on the Lord Jesus. Why was he there on that cross? For us. To conquer sin. To. Reconcile us to God, to offer an atonement that would bring us into fellowship with God. That's our confidence. And that never changes, that will never cease. Now, we need faith also for Christ's joy in the salvation of the church. Now, I sort of feel that I'm preaching Hebrews 12 more than I'm preaching Isaiah 59. But I'm seeking to wed these two portions together to, to get our eyes on the Redeemer. And it says of us, of the Lord, that for the joy that was set before him, the Lord Jesus went to the cross with joy because he knew the outcome that he would redeem as the Redeemer. He would purchase his people. He would buy them by his blood. And he would bring salvation to multitudes of souls. Now, we're living, of course, to to enjoy the the, the fulfillment of all of that. And around the world, uh, the Lord has his people. The Lord is gathering in his church. And we need our faith in the joy that the Lord will gather in his people, his church. We also need faith in Christ's triumph, that he's now at the right hand of the Father. Because we can say this this promise that was given to Israel is realized in the birth of Jesus, in the life of our Lord, in the death of our Lord at the cross, in his resurrection, but now his ascension. He is now given a name that is above all names at the right hand of God. And that becomes, the very focus of our faith. And when it says that our Lord Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, his work is done. And he is now entered into his own victory. And so here we are on earth. We can preach this gospel. We can preach this gospel in a wicked day, in a day when sin seems to have almost complete control. We need to preach the death, the life, the resurrection, and indeed the coming again of the Lord Jesus. And this is the rally cry of the church, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So that's our faith part. I want to lead a little further here and speak about the fight of faith, because we are obviously in a tremendous battle Uh, politically, spiritually, and as a church, as a congregation, and as individuals. We are facing the powers of sin in our generation like, well, can I ever say never before? Surely there has to have been a people that have been surrounded by sin. The the Roman world, by the way, in the days of, of the apostles was a very sinful, wicked world. It was a world of paganism. It was a world of homosexuality. Uh, you read that of Romans chapter one, and uh, it's we cannot say that, that the world has never faced sin like this before. But in our day, in our memory, in our recent history, in a Western world that has known the influence of the gospel, it seems the trajectory is downward. And we're greatly troubled by it. So we're in a fight. And trouble often comes in double doses. And one thing after another, and the church is under attack. So I want to just say a few things here about the fight that we are in. We have got to look, take this standard, who is Christ, the Redeemer, to fight against the enemy of error. There's two errors that I want to mention here today. The first one is humanism. The error of humanism, which is that notion that the chief end of man is man. It's all about man. It's all about autonomy, ourselves, my agenda, what I want to do, what pleases me. And that's the generation we're living in now. And we have to fight that False notion. The gospel, the Bible tells us, as our catechism tells us, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him. And that's where our focus must be. The autonomy of man is humanism that is destroying the nation around us. Now, the other problem that we're facing as a church is not humanism, but it is the problem of easy believism where you have a Christianity where you just say, I love Jesus, and you do anything you wish. And there are even people who think that they can have the lifestyle that is deviant and still profess faith in Christ and call themselves a Christian. That is the real core of the battle that we face as a church. We have had to define in documents what we understand by marriage. It is the union of one man with one woman. We have to contend for this. We don't have to go out and tell the world they're going to hell. We don't have to go out and beat people over the head with a two before. But we do have to speak the truth. And we do have to stand for the Word of God. And here we are. get back to the law of God to God's morality to God's standard and we must fight against error outside the church and if it should come into the church and we will do that by crying to the Lord to raise up a standard against the wicked one who is the Lord Jesus we must also take the cross to fight against the flood of iniquities that are around us. This is where Hollywood is bombarding us with sinful objects continually. And your mind, all minds that are open to any form of media today, face this wicked agenda that is abroad. And we need to fight that in the power of the cross. We also need to fight against the flood of temptations, the very lust of the flesh, the ideas, the taunting, and the entrance of sin into our hearts. How are we going to do that? How do we do it as Christians? Are we going to draw up a list of do's and don'ts and say, well, I'll do this and I won't do that? Well, Paul says, the things that I would, I do not. And the things that I would not, that do I. We need power. We need spiritual power that we might be overcomers in a wicked day. Now, let's go to Romans 8 and verse 13. And you will see the secret of spiritual victory for the people of God. Romans 8, verse 13. Now, we're talking about the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. And here is the work of the Holy Spirit. And in Romans eight thirteen, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit, now notice that, if ye through the Spirit to mortify, put to death the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And so here is victory for the child of God. Here is power in your soul to say no to sin. Here is the ability to triumph through the grace of the Lord Jesus. And we must lift up this standard. We must Put our faith and our confidence in the Lord himself that he will deliver us from every form of temptation. And if you're raging a battle in your heart, here's the answer. Go to the cross. Go to Christ. Get your eyes on the Lord and plead the anointing of the Spirit that he will enable you and deliver you. Now this standard that is mentioned here in Isaiah 59 and verse 19, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. It's also a standard for our fellowship. This is what unites Christians. This is what binds us together. This is what keeps us in the place of prayer, pleading with the Lord. This is what brings us back to the house of God, that we have the help of the Lord. Satan hates the image of his son in the church. When we come together and we reflect the gospel's work in our hearts, we are projecting the image of God's son. And that in itself is a tremendous victory through the Lord Jesus. And in that, the church is to be a place of holiness, Christ-likeness. Your worship, your singing, your praying, your interest in the book, your delight in the good news of the gospel, your attitude to godliness, all of that projects the image of Christ-likeness. And in doing so, there is fellowship. Now, if we keep our eyes on the Lord, And if you are growing in Christ-likeness, that brings fellowship, unity, oneness of mind and heart so that we can worship together, we can pray together. What a wonderful thing to come together in prayer and hear God's people praying through the gospel, through the Lord Jesus, the very things that resonate with our own heart, they are the desire of our own hearts. And that's what builds the fellowship of God's people. And of course, when we pray, we express our love for Christ. We tell the Lord we love him. And what a blessing to hear God's people just express that in prayer and to thank the Lord for his love to our own souls. We, of course, want to be a part of his cause. We want to be standard bearers, holding up that banner, uh, just as the standard bearer of the army. And when an arrow or a bullet goes through the standard bearer and he falls, someone comes along to hold it up. You are called to be a standard bearer in the Lord's church. And yes, you're putting yourself on the front line, and yes, you will be a target for the enemy, but you will be holding up the banner of the cross. And I bid you to, to do that. Do not lag behind. Do not be the straggler at the end of the infantry marching. And we know that in the case of Israel, that's where the attack came from so often. The enemy came and, and attacked the, the stragglers behind. And often in the church, that's what happens to the Christian that's following afar off the one that's not in prayer the one is not engaged in serving the lord they find themselves the very victim and the under the assault of the wicked one my final thought on this whole text today is the standard for our future when we come to die we're going to need a savior we're going to need a redeemer We're going to be trusting in the man of Calvary and in the one who died in our place. There's a story of the old miser that when he came to die, that he got into bed and he got all the bags of gold and he he put them all around him. And he thought that in his dying hours, that those bags of gold would bring some form of comfort. We know they can't. We know that that is just the carnal reasoning of man. And when we come to leave this world and enter into eternity, there is one whom we must look unto and know his grace, and that is our Lord Jesus. We can't then trust in the church, because all the church can do is point you to Jesus. That's all the church can do point you to Jesus. You come full circle back to looking unto Jesus. You can't trust in baptism, and although we Believe in baptism. It's the right thing to be obedient unto the Lord and to identify with him. But baptism doesn't save. Communion doesn't save. It is your own personal confidence, trust in the Lord as your Savior. Concerning the future, we're going to stand at a judgment bar, the bema seat. We're going to give a count. We're going to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. And on that hour, you're going to need a standard. You're going to need an advocate. And there is a Redeemer, the Lord Jesus himself, who will be the answer to God's people. And then throughout all eternity, as we go into eternal life in heaven, we're going to need the righteousness of the Lord Jesus. He's our advocate. He's our Redeemer. And we will put our confidence and our trust in him alone. Is that what you're doing today? I bid you to trust in this standard. The Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against Him. And may our eyes ever be upon the Lord and upon His finished work. And may our hearts be full and full of faith that He will carry us through and lead us into glory in the fullness of His power. Amen.
1: Where an artist with heaven born skill, a picture I'd paint for thee. A picture of Christ on that far away hill, on the cross of Calvary. The crown of thorns, the agony, the side that was pierced for you and for me, and I'd place it where all of the world might see how he. Offered for sale. Tongues command A wonderful story I tell Of Jesus Now living At God's Right hand Triumphant For death And hand We rose, all victorious for sin and its woe. Oh, this wonderful story, I want all to know that Jesus, my Savior. To man, e'er was given, Christ Jesus redeemed my soul.
0: To let the Bible speak, I'm glad that you've been able to join with us for the message today. When this when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard against it. And of course the Lord will bless his people, and he will defend them by his own power. And of course it is a great joy when we learn also to obey him through his word. Here is a story of an elderly minister giving a very acute and poignant lesson to a young would-be Christian. An elderly minister was once driving along a country road with a young man who liked to argue on the matters of religion. The wise old minister listened to him without much comment as the youth expounded his views, merely saying bluntly, So you object to the Ten Commandments? No, stammered the young man, Not their purpose and object, but, well, here's how it is. A fellow hates to have a shall and a shant flung in his face every minute. They sound so contrary. The minister slowed down the speed of the car as they passed a road sign. Then, speeding up again, he suppressed an involuntary smile as they veered off suddenly to the left. A few minutes later the young man caught at his arm. "'You've taken the wrong turn,' he pointed out. "'That signpost we passed said, over there, that that is Holden." "'Oh, did it?' returned the other carelessly. "'Well, maybe it is a better road, but I had to be told to go this way, and that by an arbitrary old signpost.' The young man laughed. "'I get the point.' And they were soon facing the other way and following directions that experience had proved to be the best. And ah, alas, how often those who object to the written word and to the instructions of God's own truth have difficulty. But when it comes to the average things of life, we follow the signposts, we take directions from so many quarters. But for some reason, there are people who just won't take it from the Bible.